Welcome to the Startup Help Desk, your source to answers for questions about starting companies, building companies, the meaning of life, and whatever else we have going on that week. All the questions on this podcast are submitted by founders just like you and our panel here of experienced founders, investors, and entrepreneurs. We're going to share our lessons with you so you don't make all the hard mistakes we made, and hopefully you can laugh a little bit along the way with us. Today, our episode's all about metrics, and we all have metrics, so we'll cover a bunch of questions about how to choose the right metrics for you. The panel answering questions about metrics includes me. My name is Sean Burns. I've been a founder for about 20 years, and I'm very excited that we have looped in a guest panelist to help make sure we have somebody credible on this topic in Marty Greenberg. Marty, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Quick background on myself. been in uh, startup land for a long time. Um, I first started out uh, with a company called Bedley based in New York. I was a CEO and co-founder, scaled that from zero to about 10 million plus in revenue, raised about 7 million in that company, exited that company. And then since then, I've been somehow still in the startup space. Um, I've been mostly doing a little bit of angel investing, working with founders, advising them. And then uh, we have a Labs called Zion Labs, where we cook up various different social experiments. The last couple of years, we've been playing around quite a bit in Web3 and uh, more recently doing a little bit of Web3, a little bit of AI stuff. Very cool. Excellent. And later on, we'll talk about the mistakes you made in life to end up on our podcast. But before we get there, we also have our, our usual panelists to keep me in line, Ash and Nick. Hi, everyone. My name's Ash Rust, and I'm a pre-seed investor based in San Francisco. I'm mostly invested in B2B companies based in the US, UK, and Canada through a fund I started called Sterling Road. Before investing, I was an entrepreneur myself, but these days I spend most of my time coaching founders at the earliest stage and have helped more than 1,500 startups over the years. Hey, this is Nick Melionis. I am co-founder and CEO of a startup called Navi. We help people learn innovation skills, solve mission-critical problems, and bring new ideas to life. I've supported hundreds of folks on their startup and innovation quests. And as always, I can't wait to get into today's questions. And today's questions are all about metrics. As I said before, all businesses have metrics. Choosing them, using them, it's not easy. Luckily, we have the answers, or at least we have some answers. You can decide for yourself if they're the right ones. If you have a question, we'd love to answer on a future episode. All the questions you hear were either submitted on our website at thestartuphelpdesk.com or on X, Twitter, whatever Elon's pet project is as the Startup HD. So if you have a question, submit it. We'll have it in a future episode. But for now, let's jump into our questions about metrics. The first one up, which is honestly fairly generic, but I get this one all the time. How do I decide what metrics to include on my dashboard? I can't think of any company that doesn't wonder about that. Ash, start us off. What do you think? Sure. I think the main reason why people have this question is because there's a lot of danger when you're creating a dashboard. Uh, People want tons and tons of metrics, and it ultimately becomes wallpaper. The problem is that you're going to spend a bunch of time creating all those metrics, and they're going to help you avoid the cold, hard truth. There's always one metric that's going up in in a bad month. So I like to think about it as three core metrics across distribution, engagement, and churn. And maybe the heads of departments of each of those particular areas may want more submetrics, and that's fine. But for the company at the high level, three core metrics is more than enough. And you want to build consensus across those. So I like to keep it simple, distribution, engagement, and churn. So Ash, if you don't want your metrics dashboard to be wallpaper, what if you're a wallpaper startup? What do you do then? 
Well, this is the you need to first dilemma, of all consider. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of people with this question on the App Store, of course. So this this is clearly a founder question that was submitted, right? Um, so, <laughs> oh, Martin, yeah. Martin, jump in here, make us sound respectable, Marty. Uh, what do you think about dashboards? I don't know if I can do that. Um, yeah, I was going to say I, I love that answer. Too big of an ask. <laughs> I love that answer. I feel like. Um, one of the main metrics on the dashboard that I think is also quite important is around cash and runway. I think it becomes one of these things where cash and runway for for some founders is something that you you know you report in your investor monthly update and you know you kind of talk to your accountant or if the account is you you know you talk talk to yourself about it. But I just think that the uh, the focus and emphasis on cash is, is sort of it's cash being the lifeblood of a startup is super important and something that should be a big focus. And this wasn't in the question. I'm curious, uh, Marty, are there any metrics that absolutely, absolutely a thousand percent should not be on your dashboard? So we've talked about like how to choose the ones that are there. Are there any, met- is there any easy way to figure out? No, there's no, under no circumstance should this metric be on your dashboard. Um, I have a couple thoughts on this. I mean, I think the first one, Nick told me to make quick takes, so I'll try, but I don't know if I can. But um, yeah, I think the the, the first one is uh, around. Um, I, I see a lot of like these metrics that kind of look and feel good for yourself, but don't actually do a whole lot for the business. So you'll see, like, mm-hmm. even with super early stage companies, you know, year over year growth, it's one of these things where it's like, yeah, but you had two customers last year, so how much is that actually helping you understand your business? Um, so I think sometimes we can kind of get lost. I've definitely done that myself, kind of putting metrics in there that are that are sort of fluffy. Um, but, you know, when you think about a dashboard, the point of a dashboard is, is, is from an operational standpoint to make sure that you're aligned on um, the, the main core variables for your business. Um, so I think I think less is more to kind of what Ash said. And also, you know, just make sure that those are essentially metrics that if you move the needle on those uh, have a fundamental impact on your business. I love that. I want to add something on that too, where if you're adding a metric that ultimately is a response to disguise something that's not working for the business, because you know you have an investor report due, that's a perfect example of a metric not to include in your dashboard. And so definitely want to avoid situations where you are trying to make the data look better by adding some new metric that isn't core to the business. Oh, Nick, you're going to have to tell us a story behind that because there is definitely a story behind that somewhere. Uh, you know, that's the, uh, that's the after hours Don't even version. hesitate, Melionis. No, no, no. <laughs> I could sense it before we even started. You started well, down this route. Now uh, the audience requests. I'll tell you this. We've all been in this situation where you know your investor report is due and it's time to tell a story that can keep them motivated and engaged and captivated by your business. And so, of course, if a given month the data doesn't necessarily support that things went well, there's always an impetus in order to make things look better. And so that, of course, is a classic thing we've all faced. Then on the receiving end of this, if you're supporting other founders on their quests, it becomes even easier to see when they are disguising something by introducing, let's say, top of the funnel. Oh, we have a bunch of signups, for instance, versus how's revenue changing or growing, or what are metrics that are driving you towards product market fit. These are the classic things that can confound you from achieving real value for the business. I, I, I put my money on Nick has sent an update out where one of his metrics was number of investor updates sent on a cumulative basis. That's my, you know, ours are always a function of number of pancake <laughs> breakfasts run in a given week. That is the, uh, 
That's the best way you can disguise what's really happening. When are we getting another token offering on the pancakes, Nick? <laughs> I know, Bitcoin I know. is it's, coming back. <laughs> that's right. It's time. We know it's time. Oh, oh no. Okay. Let's, let's say respectable before Marty hangs up on us. Okay, Ash, what else is on our question queue for today? All right, sure. The next question. We are about to fundraise and we know, we know our competitors have manipulated their metrics for fundraising. Should we do the same or risk looking worse in comparison? We are about to fundraise and we know our competitors have manipulated their metrics for fundraising. Should we do the same? There's parts of fundraising that become very much a dirty game, you know, where you're playing against other players that may or may not be ethical. So I think you should sort of assume that there will be some players who will do things like this. You know, I I personally don't think you should ever manipulate your metrics from an ethical standpoint to the point that it actually is misleading to the investors. But I would say that, you know, what you can do in situations like this is, you know, you can have, you know, a slide where you kind of show, hey, here is our metrics and here's what they would be like if we had changed X, Y, and Z. And what that kind of does a little bit is it sort of defangs, you know, the competition. Um, So when they're looking at these numbers, they're saying, you know, they kind of understand, okay, you know, you guys could be showing these numbers, but you're, you know, in your main... Investor education. Exactly. And some, and, you know, there's going to be investors who are, you know, very smart, like Ash, who may already know these things and see through the nonsense. I have three degrees and my grandparents are very proud of me. (laughs) Exactly. But you'd be surprised. There's a lot of investors out there who, uh, who are not as educated on these subject matters. I, I have heard rumors about that, but I'm sure they don't exist in Silicon Valley. (laughs) No, no, no. They're out there. That's good. Well, I definitely see eye to eye with you on this one, Marty, where ultimately, number one, there's an ethical side of it. There's a legal side of it when it comes to manipulating data, where it absolutely does not make sense to do that. The other piece of this, too, if you are still considering with adjusting your data, is once you fundraise, the expectations for growth change considerably, where now you are on an accelerated growth curve. What that means is if you pitch a story where you are pitching, uh, let's call it fabricated metrics that show you at a later stage, then the next time you go and fundraise, the data is going to need to be considerably better than that. So you're setting yourself up for failure by adjusting these metrics. Instead, if you anticipate that you your competitors might be manipulating the metrics in this way, you still can differentiate from them in a major way. Your numbers might not be better, but likely... There are other ways that you can be able to deliver on some compelling value and major differentiation from you all that makes sure that you can stand out amongst the crowd. So err on the side of finding differentiation for sure. So, so Nick, let's, let's assume you go into a pitch an investor and they've heard a pitch from a competitor who, who had manipulated their metrics and they challenge you and say, listen, your growth rate looks okay, but we're seeing other companies in your space that have growth rates that are twice as high. Do you call them out? Do you say, listen, I know that there's people out there claiming that's true, but it's it's not? Or do you really try to, to take the higher ground and, and dance around it? I would say ultimately calling them out is tricky because you just can't with certainty say that, you know, they're adjusting their metrics. And you look absolutely terrible doing that. <laughs> that's That's a better response than mine. So I like that. Other piece I would say is that Ultimately, if the metrics are great for these other companies, it's a signal that something major is happening in the market, i.e. there's a real opportunity here. 
And so you can switch the narrative by saying, hey, this market is happening and we want to be able to participate and win the market. So we're eager for your support to help us do so. Huh. I, I started my my very first company was in ad tech. And I used to joke that ad tech is like playing poker in a den of thieves. It's not a question of who's cheating. It's who's cheating the best. And I'm going to tell you, I there was many pitches where I had exactly that challenge mm. where investors were like, well, you know, these other companies are growing at this rate. And it was, we knew it was make-believe, but to Ash's point, you almost, you can't call them out because it makes you look bad. But at the same time, it's such an unfair game that if you play it honestly and you talk about real data and real metrics, you're at a disadvantage. It's a really unfortunate situation in general. I mean, Ash, if you, you see more deals than us, how often do you think that happens? So it also happens a lot in an analogous situation where someone maybe just raises a whole bunch more money than you, right? And then, you know, then the question is, well, why would we give you money if there's someone else who's already raised a potentially market-grabbing amount? So you just have to wait. You have to wait until your better product, your better distribution uh, wins out over time. You know, you can try and do things in the moment, like talk about net revenue or margins and these kinds of things. But if this is 2021 and you've got someone in front of you that cares only about growth, then yeah, the meeting's not going to go well. And you're more likely to have to look for the value investors who are probably not going to be the brand names. That's what I see over and over again. Uh, And it doesn't necessarily mean that someone's manipulated the data, but someone could have just raised a ton of money and then juiced their growth through the roof. And so now you look terrible. Yeah. I mean, the dot-com bubble, it was notorious where companies would, essentially, I'd sign a contract with your company and you'd sign a contract with mine for the same amount. So the money would make a round trip and we both claim our revenue is higher. And I mean, how do you compete with that? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's obviously fraud and it's impossible to have a business compete at fraud on the basic metrics until the fraud falls apart. So I guess hopefully, hopefully you make it long enough for that fraud to fall apart. But, um, I don't know. It's hard to be. Well, you can make it if you're making money, right? So if you're profitable, (laughs) you have unlimited time, (laughs) and that's the whole point. I don't know. The other guys are relying on raising money. I mean, I'll take the flip side of that. I feel like frauds are often more profitable than legitimately run businesses. Are they not? Well, you can probably ask that guy who just went to jail yesterday. That's right. right? There's some recent data that says differently. He's got some questions (laughs) about that. Um, you know, I'd also like my crypto it. back. Thanks, Sam. Just if you're listening, <laughs> before we say anything incriminating, let's move on to something else. Okay, we need to we need to make sure we answer more than two questions today. Nick, what else have we got going on? All right, let's do it. Here's the third question that we received from a founder. The question is: We are an enterprise software company and are not sure how to report revenue. Is it bookings, contracts, or actually collected money? Mar, do you want to kick things off here? So it's actually, it's, it's an interesting question. First question that I would have is reporting it to who? Are you reporting it to an investor or you, is this internal reporting? Is this reporting from a tax perspective? If it's for an investor, I think it's always helpful to just have an understanding of, of not only the revenue, but the actual cash implications. Um, and so you talk about collected money. I think that's that's very relevant I also think that uh, th- there was some recent, and I'm not like an accounting nut, but there was some recent regulation that has come around where uh, for t- from a tax perspective, you can't just book revenue based on invoices. And, and there's there's some changes that just occurred. It's actually you know making a, a bunch of changes across uh, sort of SaaS 
um, reporting from a, from a tax perspective. So I would definitely consult with your accountant slash lawyer. Um, I think it's from, from an internal perspective. Like I said, I always, I always kind of go back to cash. I think cash is king. You can have a whole bunch of contracts and invoices, et cetera. But if you're not seeing that turn into money in the bank, you know, it, it may not do a whole lot of good. I will, uh, I'll take the flip side of that, which I do agree with you. It depends on the audience. But I also feel like it's somewhat of a, a stage question. So like very early stage companies, you're almost always reporting on bookings because you just don't have any customers. And the question is, what's reflective of the business? And so you report on bookings. And then as you start to get farther along, it's more important how many of those bookings turn into live contracts, right? So some of those bookings might have fallen away. And then eventually you get big enough where really what matters is collections, right? Because you're not going to collect. I have bad news for everybody. You're not going to collect 100% of the contracts you sign. So what percentage do you collect? Who actually pays you? I once did a deal with Procter & Gamble and oh my God, good luck getting any money out of them no matter what your 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 contracts might say. It's crazy. Or if you do a deal with an ad agency, uh, we always used to joke that their, their payment terms are net never because their <laughs> entire business model is playing the float on paying their bills. Um, like So for example, if you like have a sales team and you're trying to choose the metric of revenue for sales commissions, almost every company starts your commissions are based on bookings and then your commissions are based on contracted, active contracts. And then finally, your commissions are based on received revenue. And that's usually true for investors as well. Every company goes to that transition. So I think it's a stage dependent thing, but I agree with you. It depends on the audience you're going after. What's reflective of the business at the time? Like what what reflects the real true fundamentals. And it, this hits upon this great truism, which is metrics. There's like, there's not like there's a, a solid single answer. There's not like a set of golden metrics that you can use. I, I, I have come to hate ARR, annually recurring revenue, because investors use it almost universally. And so companies have tried to shoehorn business models into ARR so that investors will take them seriously. But it's just, it's not always the best way to think about a business. It really isn't. Um, so it's a tough question, but let's put it out. Let's be honest. If you're making revenue, Hey, that's good news, right? It's yeah, better than absolutely. not as long as however you're measuring it is not zero or, or, uh, I th- I, th- I saw a metric recently that one of the big, um, I think it was Nikola, one of the big electric truck companies, their revenue is now negative. I didn't know your revenue could be negative. <laughs> they are paying people to take the service off their hands. It sounds like they can just make it up on volume. <laughs> oh man. Oh I don't know. Uh, I, I, out of curiosity, um, I don't know what the answer to this, but if you, how, how was it that back during the crypto boom, the, how do Web3 companies recognize revenue? I'm familiar with SaaS and consumer, but in Web3, what is the metric you use for revenue? Please say Discord. Yeah, Marty, take Please it away on say this. Discord. Discord. <laughs> uh, again, I think it depends on who you're reporting the revenue to. Well, I saw the crypto boom. We also saw the NFT boom, which which has its own totally different set of revenue reporting. Um, and it's totally different from a tax standpoint than kind of how you would handle it internally. You know, and also the the ways that it's done from a tax standpoint is constantly changing from, from crypto because it's so new. We had a ton of trouble doing taxes for our crypto side of the business just because even the crypto accounts didn't understand NFTs. Um, so... It's challenging, but I think ultimately, like what I advise founders on is, is you know, um, to have metrics that align with the performance of your business. Let's. Um, we only have a few minutes left. We're gonna jump to the lightning round. This is where I ask our other panelists questions. You each have fifteen seconds to answer. It's very unfair, but uh, we just have to fill out the time. Here we go. So I'm gonna go in the order. 
Marty, Ash, and Nick. I'm going to ask a question. Each of you give me your best answer in, in 15 seconds or less. First, what is a good annual growth target? Marty. It depends what you're growing off of. Um, but if you have some existing growth already, um, I'd say, you know, uh, 3x. I mean, it, it, if you're tiny, you know, you start at like 10x. And then if you start to have a little bit of size, you know, in SaaS, you kind of hear a lot of 3, 3, 2, 2, 2, you know, 3x, 3x, 2x, 2x, something like that. So that's kind of just a rule of thumb. Cool. Ash. 5x annually was the standard in 2021. I'd say nowadays in 2023, 2 to 3x with a path to profitability is more than enough. Cool, Nick. Assuming that the question is asking the percentage of growth, I will say 100% as your target. So aiming to double the business each year is a nice nice benchmark to be pushing towards. Very good. I haven't worked with a bunch of lawyers here defining terms. I appreciate and respect that. Okay. <laughs> Next question. Last question. Lightning round. What is an example of a bad metric? Please be specific. Marty. GMV can be a, an example of a bad metric or total. I see metrics that are like total revenue that we've helped customers, blah, blah, blah. It's just these fluffy metrics. That help. Monthly active users is terrible. <laughs> Nick. Clicks. Really any metric that doesn't tie directly into growing the business or value for the customer. And there you go. That's all the time we have for today's episode. Our clicks are up. Our monthly active users are doing well. And our GMV for this podcast is fantastic. (laughs) Very nice. Excellent. Well, I hope you all got answers to your questions about metrics. This was a lot of fun. Marty, thanks for joining us and putting up with us. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Ash and Nick, as always, thank you for your wisdom. No, no, no. Thank you. There it is. Great time as always. If you have a question for a future episode of this podcast, please let us know. You can find us on our website at thestartuphelpdesk.com or on Twitter X Elon as the Startup HD. These episodes are answering questions you submit, so submit more questions so we can have more episodes. But for the meantime, the Startup Help Desk is now closed. Good luck in building your business.